You're listening to the Between You and Me podcast, brought to you by JesusWire.com, with your host, Jessica Morris. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to a new episode of Between You and Me, the podcast where we talk about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in the music industry through the lens of faith, culture, politics, mental health, you name it, we probably talk about it. My name is Jessica Morris. I am your host, and I'm a music journalist. Today, we have a phenomenal guest on. So when I tell you about Stephen McWhorter and his story, there's so much meat to this because Stephen... His whole bio is meth addict to worship leader. Like God just miraculously restored him. But then you meet this dude and I laughed so much. It was a hilarious and amazing and evocative interview. And I'm really happy for you to hear it because Steve is just a great guy. He also, his story is phenomenal and his new music, Grave Clothes, which just came out, is next level. While today's show is all about redemption and hope and all those good things that we love, we do talk about substance abuse today. Uh, We talk about some specific drugs as well and have a slight mention of some spiritual warfare demonic stuff. Not a huge amount, but just a heads up if that's something that triggers you, you might want to skip past those parts. We also talk a little bit about the character of Stephen's father. He's very respectful, but just a heads up if you have experienced some trauma in your own life or abuse, it might be something you're sensitive to. So just keep your ears open for that and press the ahead by 15 or 30 button as required. Meet Stephen McWhorter. The first time you meet worship leader Stephen McWhorter, the raw power of his voice will take you aback. Then he tells you his story. As his bio says, addiction to redemption, from meth addict to worship leader. And you realise there's a lot more to this musician than just sheer power. There's presence. And it comes from intimately knowing the darkness, but also experiencing a supernatural life-changing God. Stephen McWhorter was your average pastor's kid of sorts. He would travel across America with his mother and father, who was a travelling evangelist, and from a young age he witnessed his father as two different people. On stage, he was a charismatic evangelist who spoke of God's grace and love, but at home, he was the opposite of this. This hypocrisy led Stephen down a path of substance abuse and addiction, but I'll let Stephen tell you about that in our interview. All that to say, after a staggering encounter with God one night, Stephen became sober. A year later, he was hired to work at a church, and as the years went by, he became a touring worship leader, songwriter, recording artist, speaker, and author. No big deal, right? Yeah, we all do that. Based in Louisville, Kentucky, Stephen's original band, Iron Bell Music, which was part of Iron Bell Ministries, was known for touring more than 160 dates a year. They would go to churches and even basements just to worship God and share Stephen's story. Thousands of people were impacted by this, and Stephen saw so many people come to know Jesus. Naturally, two records followed, God Who Saves in 2017 and Glory to God in 2018, and Stephen became known as one of the primary songwriters and lead singers of the bands. Yet as Iron Bell music went global, Stephen and his bandmates chose to separate from Iron Bell Ministries, and they needed a new name. His friends suggested they simply go by Stephen McWhorter. So here we are. In 2020, Stephen McWhorter has just dropped his debut EP, Grave Clothes. Released on their own label, God Is Real Music, 
It features six Southern rock influence worship songs that detail Stephen's stories. It's raw, it's intimate, and well, it's legitimately life-changing. Partner that with the fact that Stephen has released a 30-day devotional, he has a podcast, oh, and he has an app, the God Is Real app, and his life is one big, powerful ball of energy and hope and redemption, and it all comes out in his music. My friends, you will not forget the very wonderful Stephen McWhorter. Um, I was looking at the press for your EP and the first thing that struck me was that you have such an incredible story, um, which you so generously share with people a lot. So I was wondering if we could start by you just telling me and telling a podcast listeners your story um, and what you would like to share with us before we dive into the music aspect of your life. Yeah, so, you know, I was I was brought up an evangelist son. And, like, you know, even as a kid, you know, I was in church and traveled from church camp to church camp. And But the guy that I saw on Sunday morning and the one that I saw in private were not the same. I literally watched my father, like, be physically abusive with my own mom. And I thought, you know what? If God's real, he's not good. And I don't want anything to do with this Jesus character. And so I began down this intense path of just crazy rebellion, you know. Um, and it's funny, like the whole like God's not good like that. That's really where it starts, right? With this like um, this broken lens, this this lie about who God really is. That's where the descent starts, you know. And as I, you know, around 13, I started smoking and drinking and marijuana and all that kind of stuff. And then by the time I'm 15, it's cocaine and it's LSD and pills and I'm selling drugs. And um, I, got, I have a 15-year-old now, so it's like, wow. what in the world? So by the time I'm 17, I'm, I'm a full-out crystal meth addict. And I'm using crystal meth nearly every day for um, almost six years. And during this time of my life, I mean, I was the guy that like, hated, hated, hated Christianity. Like if you even mentioned the name Jesus around me, I would have cussed you out. And wow. in hindsight, I can tell you now that that was like demonic, you know, like it was just like not me. It was crazy. But, um, you know, that's where I was in this super dark place. And there was these people that were so burdened for me. I remember someone telling me, my sister actually told me how she pulled over on the side of the road and just started uncontrollably crying. Uh, praying for me and interceding for me to come to Jesus. And I always tell people that, you know, um, when I'm telling the story, I always say, you know, we are such instinctively selfish people that if you ever feel the need to pull over the side of the road and ugly cry over somebody come to <laughs> yeah. Jesus, that is the Holy Spirit wooing you to intercede on that person's behalf. And pay attention because he's wanting to do something in you as much as he's wanting to do something through you. And um, I always love that. And and so, you know, God's after me, right, during this time, obviously, with all this stuff going on behind the scenes. And, um, some people come, they give me this book called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, which is, I don't know if you ever heard of it. This yes. is guy wrote this book. I read yeah, it, too. Very true. famous book. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, it, you know, it's, it, he was an atheist uh, journalist for the Chicago Sun. His wife became a Christian, and he was like, uh-uh. He wanted to go out and debunk the whole thing, right? And he ends up finding out it's all real and ends up getting radically saved and becomes this prolific writer and evangelist for the gospel. And this is the book they offered me. And having just told you how against Christianity I was, <laughs> this is probably the most miraculous part of the story because I didn't claw anyone's eyes out and have a total meltdown episode. 
I literally think I accepted the book and was like, cool, thank you. you wow. Know? It was like, <laughs> parting the Red Sea was so easy compared to this. this is like, <laughs> you know? So um, give me this book, you know, and, and fast forward, I'm living in a house full of musicians and drugs, and it's just one big cliche. I literally had drugs on the side table next to me. Um, no one's playing music softly. <laughs> There's no pads, like playing softly in the corner, you know, drawing me in. That's not going on. It, it's like seemingly the most improbable uh, moment and space for someone to get saved, right? But it's the kindness of God to meet a wounded pastor's kid in a place where no one can get the glory but him, right? And right there in that space with this book, just nothing's going on. I think there was static on a TV when there was static, right? Wow. And, and I'm reading this book, and I encounter the presence of the living God. I'm talking about the real thing. And in this moment, we begin to have an eternal dialogue that went something like this. It's like, Stephen, I'm real. I'm good. I have a purpose for your life. What are you going to do about it? Wow. And I, I still, to this day, think this. I think that every single one of those words sound like I pulled them out of a book called Christian Things to Say, right? <laughs> they're just, they're a little vague. They could apply to anything, right? Uh, but God has a way of taking a word you've heard a million times like, I love you. And when he says it and you hear him, not with just intellectually like hear him, but I mean like hear him, um, it unlocks something that's been dormant inside you your entire life. And in that moment, I literally remember just crying out, God, I want to quit all this addiction, all this darkness, all this depression, all this ugh wow. that I've known for so long. God, I want to, but I can't. What are you going to do? Lie to God? When you're in the real presence of God and you know it, and nothing, there's no hiding, right? So I'm just like, I can't. I mean, I can't remember what I was like. I've been this person for 11 years. I don't remember what I was like before. And I'm like, God, I want to, but I can't. And in a thought more powerful than words, the Holy Spirit spoke something into me in that moment that changed me for the rest of my life. God said, Stephen, you won't do it. I'll do it. And Christianity 101, the basics, um, I took God at his word. Like I believed him like I believe I'm breathing air mm -hmm. right now. And I fell to my knees. Gave my life to Christ, went from addiction to redemption, from meth addict to worship leader. And it was literally like quit everything overnight. Wow. Which some people are some people are like, you can't say that. That doesn't work like that. I said, Well, you want me to lie? God's real. And here's the problem. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's like this is what happened. And I do know this for the people because I do a lot of speaking and addiction recovery things and like, you know, all this different stuff. And and I always say this, that Jesus, if you read the Gospels, he never healed anyone the same way twice throughout the entire Gospels because every story has a purpose. And for whatever reason, the purpose of my story was to radically redeem me from a lifetime of addiction in this crazy way. Trust me, he's had plenty more to work on for the years <laughs> since. You know? But uh, that was it. I think like a year later, a super hard up church hired me as a worship leader. I mean, they had to be hard up. They're like, former meth addict, we'll take this guy. You know, so it's like, 
I think they slid me a list of the coolest songs I was allowed to play. And it That's was like, amazing. I think the coolest thing on there was I can only imagine. Of course was it was. Like, you know, yeah. and, and I was in metal bands throughout my teens, oh, like yes. touring. And so I went from that to singing, I can only imagine. So it's <laughs> hilarious. That's amazing. Wow. Cause one of the questions I had was like, how did you go from encountering God to becoming clean? But when God just transforms you, I was like, I can't argue with that. Like, that's just amazing. Here's the thing that I always say to people, and it sounds so ridiculously simple. God is real. Like, it's real. It's all real. And as Christians, we want to go, oh, I have the right answer for that. The answer is yes. Check. Well, I'm not looking for the right answer. I'm looking for you to know it. Like, God's real. It's all real. It's crazy. And when I got saved, I literally was running around to people going, oh, my gosh, it's real. <laughs> Did you guys know it was real? I mean, come on. It was like, it was like that. And I still kind of try to, try to hold on to that today. You erase the word impossible. You are the God of miracles. Nothing is too hard for you. Not by my strength or by my will For you the ways they stand still Nothing is too hard for you And nothing is too hard for you Not for you between the year of you being saved and knowing God was real and the year of you being hired by a church to become a worship pastor, what took place for you spiritually in that year for you to become ready to actually work in a church and pastor after you saw your dad sort of live that sort of lifestyle before? (laughs) Uh, That's a great question. I'm going to tell you what, not a lot of people ask that question. How awesome of you. Is, is that safe uh, for counseling? Because I can appreciate if you don't yeah. want to answer it. Well, of course. You know what? It's like God can heal me from all this stuff, but there's still the emotional stuff. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It was like a willpower, not my own. It's like you don't understand. It's like people can't begin to fathom um, how insane that is. Uh, people go, oh, man, you quit meth. I smoked two packs a day for 11 years. I quit smoking cigarettes. <laughs> the other stuff, yeah, that's amazing. I quit smoking cigarettes overnight. Come on, but uh, nobody, nobody thinks about that much. But uh, yeah, I think during that time, the, the real, the real thing for me was, you know, I was brought up in the church, so I knew a lot. But suddenly, all this stuff I knew made sense, and I, so God redeemed a lot of stuff 
even from my childhood, you know, being brought up in the church, like he redeemed a lot of them. And so I had a lot of stuff in there that I didn't understand. And then now I'm starting to understand it. And I, you know, he gave me a deep desire for his word and just for spending time with him that I never had before. Um, which the thing about that I always say is like Philippians 2.13 says that it's God in you giving you the desire and the power to do the things that please him. Uh, my favorite part about that is he's like, God gives you the desire. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many people we disqualify ourselves because we don't want to like other people want to. And we forget to ask God to give us the want to yes. <laughs> that we don't have yet. And uh, so, you know, for me, it was just really that, God, I just want you. Help me to want you more. And I just kind of fell into this place of going after him really heavy. And I was like delivering pizzas. I was just happy to be a son of a living God. You know, I was just super excited about it. And out of nowhere, some friends called me up and like unbeknownst to each other, um, all saw the same ad for this, not like it was a big ad, it was like one in a bunch of ads. It was the same little church that they all thought Stephen could be the worship leader. That's so good. I don't know what they were all smoking, but it was apparently the Holy <laughs> Spirit. So they, they called me up and they were like, hey, you should check this out. So I knew it was God. I mean, to, for all these people, it's the same little bitty church randomly out of these, you know, help wanted ads or whatever. So I went and I told them everything about who I am, what not. And they were like, well, we think you should do it. I think they probably hired me because they thought I was talented enough to pull off, you know, the thing. But I also think that the pastor um, carried a heart of grace and uh, allowed me to step into that and kind of shepherded me. It was a small little church, too, so it wasn't like they brought me into this thousands of members. I think they had like 75 members in this church, you know. And um, so it was an interesting time. Eventually, they even ended up hiring me as the youth minister nice. there, like some years later. Um, <laughs> yeah, what? Like, former meth addict. Yeah, <laughs> look, with their kids. No, yeah. <laughs> so, but it was great. It really was awesome, and uh, God redeemed so much. And then I eventually got a job at another church where I was on staff for, gosh, nearly nine years. And, um, so a whole twelve years of being a worship leader. Now, obviously, I'm doing other things. But I think during that year, the biggest thing for me um, was, um, as I think back to it, was I spent a lot of time in the Word. I spent a lot of time around other people that were godly men. And uh, I watched all these people that were, and I'm doing quotation marks in the air, that were my friends, you know, (laughs) supposedly, just disappear, you know, because my life, I changed, you know. And they were like, well, um, Steve's not the guy with drugs anymore and all this kind of stuff. And. So a lot of those people just fell away, and um, I just started surrounding myself with godly people, and the Lord was really kind at bringing those people along to, um, just to really encourage me. And I think that was a big part of it, honestly, just being around godly people and having an example to look at, um, as well as, like, you know, the Word and learning to just walk in the Spirit. So Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can you tell me why now is the time that you're releasing an EP? Because you have been doing music for so long. And you've been yeah. you've been sharing your story for so long. So why why grave close now and why the EP in January? Well, you know we've been uh, part of um, a thing called Iron Bell Music for a number of years, and uh, that kind of took off, you know. And uh, long story short, without getting really into it and wanting to honor everybody, we ended up going our separate ways. The band. Uh, the entire band ended up departing from the ministry, and the ministry wanted to go another route. And 
uh, we saw the Lord's favor and calling on just being out there and seeing so many come to Christ. So, um, so with that, we weren't able to take the name with us anymore. So literally, it was just kind of like everybody in the band who were like close friends of mine and people I really love were, were like, it needs to be your name. I would have never picked that, by the way. I, <laughs> I was like, this is the worst name ever. As seen on Bad Checks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, it's just kind of God's calling. And with that, um, honestly, when we switched it this year, it's really strange. I, I won't say it's just because of that, but it was kind of at the same time. We started seeing like hundreds of people get saved everywhere we were going. Wow. And we just made the emphasis of the night, the character of God, and worshiping him. It's not like a concert. You know, I share my testimony, and then I do an altar call. And we've just seen radical, radical stuff that I've never seen before. You know, I was like, wow. I mean, I'm not saying it's like Billy Graham, but it's like yeah. we've had to like change. You know, bands have writers where when they're booking events, they call ahead to make sure everything's set up and they have the right kind of gear and the right kind of stuff, hotel room and all that. We've been calling going, do you have people there in place for the people getting saved? We need ministry teams. Yes. That's so good. And so it's been it's been really awesome and super life-giving. And, um, so I don't know. You know, during our times traveling this year, we're trying to – we're kind of rebranding in our ministry and stuff. So part of that is that. But at the same time, Grave Clothes is really connected to my story, obviously. And also, uh, it came out of a spontaneous night of ministry on the road. And um, we have never, like, wasn't like we sat out in a room with, like, Nashville writers or something. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Those people are awesome. I know so many of them. They love the Lord. It's great. But this was kind of one of those moments where we weren't like, let's write a hit song. Let's put it on the radio. That's what we need to do. <laughs> we were literally... <laughs> worshiping we come from like a, a bigger event and we were touring in the northeast and we were coming back and some little house church in virginia reached out to us like 50 people and they were like hey would you come and let us have a meal with you guys and pray over you we've been fasting and praying and spending oh. the evening together worshiping and we were like absolutely as long as you know you're not serial killers <laughs> we're, on, <laughs> we're on our way so we get there and literally it's like the grandparents the kids the grandkids the you know, the whole thing, and we're just in this basement going after the Lord, and it's one of those memorable evenings where you just feel the presence of God in the room. It's just so fun. And uh, we spontaneously literally started singing the chorus of this song out of nowhere, and it just, we knew right then and there you could just feel the presence of God on it and everyone declaring it over their lives, and it was just so, like I'm getting cold chills thinking about it right now. It sounds funny, but I really am. And, um, yeah, so it was like from that we were like, okay, God, what do you want us to do? We want to be good stewards. And so um, here we are, continuing to release music and put things out. So. Your lips 
more about the EP. Like, Grave Clothes is a lead single, yeah. but um, I had to listen to some of its songs early because Morgan was kind enough to send me yeah. some. And I really love them. I love the depth of them and, like, you can nearly hear the fact that you've you've lived through a lot and it comes out in your voice and in the passion that you guys all bring to the music. So can you tell me, like, about some of the other tracks and what the EP actually means to you in this for lack of a Christian, better term, new season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things is just, man, we, I just, I want people to just get, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but I just want people to know he's real. Yeah. And I want them to sing songs over themselves that reinforce that in a way that makes them intimately closer to him. And, um, and that have power to, you know, like you can, I don't know. I'm not trying to say too much. I mean, I'm just another guy, another, you know, person in this world that loves the Lord that's trying to do my best at stewarding what he's given me. I'm not like, I don't have any delusions, you know, yeah. grandeur. But um, at the same time, it's like, um, I believe there's like, I can, I've heard from so many people and I've seen it in rooms. There's a power to it that mm -hmm. is not us. And, um, I don't know. I just want people to really connect with him and feel close to him through it, but also experience like an anointing and a power from the Lord over the music that causes them to encounter him and not just go, Oh yeah, the Steven guy's talented or this band's really good, but like where we kind of disappear, you know, mm -hmm. um, and just interacting and connecting with the Lord. And, um, yeah, you know, and just having fun creating music with him, you know, he's the creative God. So, um, he has a lot he wants to do. Yes. <laughs> He's got a lot right? of good ideas. <laughs> yeah, I love that. How do you, like, you've you've obviously now worked in churches for a long time and you've worked in quote-unquote ministry for a long time now. Yeah. Um, ha have you had to o ever overcome, like, any stigma because of your story or have people just really embraced you knowing where you are now? Um, you know, I don't, I don't get a lot of that now. Um, I get a lot of people that are super supportive of the story, actually. Uh, there was a time early on where I remembered some people. Um, I had some very more conservative kind of background churches that would come to me and say, hey, let's not say meth, and hey, let's not say this, and let's not say that. Uh, you know, I think it could rub people the wrong way. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, all you can do is go, hey, I love you and I understand it's totally great. I may not be a good fit for this then. Yeah. Um, and that's okay, you know, and that's kind of my way of bowing out of that because I'm not trying to be this guy that's like, you know, the Lord told me and forget you. I'm going to do what I want. So it's like that's yeah. not – that's not the Lord. And so I, for me it's like to politely bow out because some people are not your people and that's okay. That's a tough <laughs> you know? lesson, right? Yeah, yeah, and I've, that's one thing I've learned over the years. Not everyone is your people, and that's totally great. You can still love them and cheer them on, and uh, you don't have to be their best friend and be a part of everything they're doing and still be there for them and still love them. And, um, you know, I think that's the thing. But, you know, everybody, you eventually in your life, uh, I think for me, uh, you eventually in your life at one point really get a clear, I hope and pray that people listening, you really get a clear um, grasp of God's purpose for your life and his calling for your life. And when you do, you just know what it is, you know, and you can even look back over your story and start to see little things pointing to it, 
you know, and how it's, all of it kind of comes together in this thing. And when you know what it is, it's worth fighting for. And it's worth being um, kind of zeroed in on, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, in a way where you, you steward it well and don't, I guess, you know, make compromises um, for it. Because the Lord will take care of it. You know, he'll, he'll put you in the right place at the right time, even if one door closes. And um, I think that's been the thing for me is just to stay diligent and faithful to the Lord's calling in my life, no matter what. Yeah. I was caught in the rising tide. There's been time. Thought I wouldn't survive You reached down And pulled me from The darkest waters And into your love And now a quick break from our conversation to talk about one of our amazing sponsors. Do you create wedding videos, podcasts, ads, content, maybe even one of those slideshows while you're trying to move your church into the 21st century? Well, Soundstripe is the answer to all your problems. The ultimate music stock site made for video producers, they offer a great variety of high quality royalty free songs and have an unlimited licensing model. This is literally one of a kind in the industry. And that is because it was created by musicians. With a monthly or yearly fee, you have unlimited access to world-class music. We are talking composers like Aaron Sprinkle and Matt Winton. Every time you license a song through Soundstripe, the royalty goes straight back to the musician. With curator playlist, new music every week, and more than 30,000 special effects. This is the ultimate source of music for creatives. Trust me, I've been using this since day one with Between You and Me, and I can tell you that any background music you are hearing comes directly from Soundstripe. They are absolutely incredible. When you sign up for Soundstripe today, you can get 10% off using the code UMEPOD. That is soundstripe.com with the code UMEPOD. And now, back to the show. As, as humans, we have ways of defining ourselves. Um, and I can imagine that when you were going through addiction, you probably had a very set way of seeing yourself and then you were saved by God and it would have changed. Um, yeah. But I also know that when just because a dramatic thing happens, happens in our life, like amazing conversion, um, we, we can still hold on to like old mindsets, still hold on to like old labels of ourselves um, that aren't true of who God has actually called us. Did you ever experience that sort of going through your conversion experience and like how how have you self or like re-identified yourself knowing that like your your addiction is such a big part of your story, but it's not who you are now? Yeah. Um, it's almost 18 years now. So um, it feels like another life, you know yeah. what I mean? But at the same time, I tell the story so much that it's, it never gets that far away from me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, but I think, you know, sometimes I just, I forget what that stuff was like, but I think during that 
time, there was a lot of stuff that the Lord had to deal with. Like I said, you know, I could be saved, and I still, that, that deep lie at the very beginning, I said, which is like, God's not good, so I don't want anything to do with him. So then I begin down this path, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny how just that little lie, even though I got saved, I gave my life to Christ, I knew I still battled and struggled that God was good even after that. It's very interesting. Like, you know, I remember going to people and saying, this is a great example. Okay, I would go to people and say, hey, will you pray? This is after being saved. I would say, will you pray about this job or this thing I hope will happen? And inevitably, these people would say, I will pray for God's will to be done, oh. right? And, <laughs> and I would think In deep down inside, because I have this broken lens, I would think deep down inside, no, don't do that. I want the thing I want to actually happen. You know, So that's how messed up my view of God was. I thought his plan was good for him, but a bummer for me. But I should want it because he's God. And it sounds mm-hmm. ridiculous. You know, but to me now, it sounds ridiculous. But I think, you know, for me, a lot of my identity was was getting stuck in knowing that God's good and all that he does is good. And he's always out for my good. And even when I am screwing things up, he's still trying to help me get back to his good and beautiful plan for my life. And I think in all that, um, there was also some other things that started getting uncovered, which was like, you know, if I go back, I can remember when I was a kid, like singing into a hairbrush, which most kids did, right? Mm-hmm. When you're a kid, you might sing into a hairbrush or something in front of the teeth, which is funny because now I'm bald. Very funny, God. Ha, ha, ha. So, now, <laughs> so I've got, I've got, I'm singing to a hairbrush when I'm a kid. Like everybody had that. But I mean like I remembered even being in church camps, singing at revivals and stuff and, and uh, you know, all these different things. And like I loved it, you know? And what happened was – I begin down this path of suddenly I wanted to be a rock star or whatever, right? Throughout my teens and stuff. But at the beginning of time, God breathed into me an identity and a purpose. First off, that I'm a son of the living God, period. But then his destiny and calling for my life was to minister before him with music. Simply that, to just minister before him with music. He does everything else, right? And the broken part of that is that I start thinking, oh, see, that was always his purpose. He always wanted that for me. Like music was breathed into me by the Lord. My last name, McCorder, literally means son of the harpist. And in Second so uh, Kings 3, it says that when Jehoshaphat and Ahab, uh, the king of Israel were going to war against Moab, they asked Elisha to prophesy for them. He said, well, before I do, first go find a harpist. And while the harpist played, the hand of the Lord fell. So literally like the Lord has breathed into my very name. Is calling for my life. But what happens in a fallen, broken world is it gets distorted. Um, and it turns into, like I said, you know, I want to be a rock star. I want to be famous. So I get jaded. I get broken and hurt by it. And I go, well, I'm not allowed to have this. Right? Like we all go through this um, in some shape or form. And then the Lord redeems it and reminds me, no, this is who you really are. And then I let a lot of stuff die off. And I go, I am just a son of the living God. I'm his son. Like he's a good, beautiful father. And I'm his son, which is a big deal when you have a, a really bad earthly father yeah. to him to heal that and to go, I'm a good father to you, like beyond anything you could ever imagine, you know, and you get to set and you get to sing to me and be with me. And out of this, I'm going to do more with your life than you could have ever imagined. And for me, my identity has just been getting into that place where I'm okay with just sitting in front of a wall, singing to him and 
knowing that's enough that he's doing something even with that or that's it you know it's yeah. like it's amazing it's like the freest thing ever soft heart towards I, I don't know if I'd say the church but religious figures um knowing that you've worked through so much now but I mean we, we still we live in such a broken world and the church is still so broken and you've experienced so much so how do you keep a soft heart and love love on people and accept people when you nearly you see elements of I don't know hypocrisy or the things that you maybe struggled with when you were a kid does that make sense? Oh boy, does it! You know, and especially we do 150 days a year. We meet pastors and churches all over the country, other places, all the time. You wow. know, and it's like week in and week out, we're at a different church and <sighs> multiple churches. You know, and we're seeing multiple environments and multiple um, healthy and unhealthy mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, environments, um, and. You know, I think one of the things for me is I've actually become um, that person. You know, like my father, I've become, I'm in ministry full time. This is what I do. I would have never in a million years thought that God's giant cosmic joke is here I am doing traveling just like my dad traveled, but it's totally different, right? It's like he, he he restored it and revived it and made it like redeemed the whole thing. It's unbelievably beautiful. And my kids now see me and get to see what I hope is something real, you know, like see me pray and see me fast and see me do things that I preach from the stage for real. And when no one's watching, well, they're watching. And I think um, because of I'm in a bit of a position like that now that I see people in those positions differently and um, I probably have more respect and uh, more sympathy and empathy you know towards what they're going through and dealing with and and uh, especially when you meet pastors and that you're not part of their church so they feel comfortable sharing with you their struggles yeah. right because you're not on staff so these people open up to you and you're like you start to just love them and you're like oh my gosh we just love you and i'm sorry you're going through all this and we you know we want to be a point of reference and point for you to connect with and to come to so we can pray over you and um i think i don't know just when you go to so many different churches and you meet so many different people, and some of them are very charismatic, some of them not at all, some of them in the middle, whatever. You begin to love them all and see what they all have in common. And um, I don't know. I think the Lord just really kind of opened my eyes to that just from traveling and being out more. I think sometimes when you stay in the same place week in, week out, you get kind of uh, tunnel vision. You know, it's like hard to have a bigger picture vision sometimes of the bride. And um, it can sometimes make us a little difficult to have grace 
towards people, you know? I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like for me, um, just traveling as much and meeting so many different people, I've learned to have more grace for all these different situations and people, you know, like, gosh, I don't know. And plus, from where I've been, who am I to give somebody a business, you know? It's like, oh, well, 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 well I was a meth addict, so you should listen to me, you know? <laughs> oh, no, I so appreciate that. And I, I think for me, um, hearing people, like as a journalist, hearing people's stories and talking to different people, that's been a big factor in me learning to accept and love other people who are different to me as well, even in the church umbrella. So I, in some respect, I totally get that because that's one and of the reasons I, think, I start this podcast. I think for me, as I've met people, because I like to like come as a worship leader, I like to come to events and be like, I don't know what we're going to do. Let's find out with God. Let's just go for it. <laughs> right. And, uh, I get to a lot of churches like, no, we're going to need that list from you two weeks in advance. And you're, we're going to need. And for me, that's like, that's been the, that's hilarious, but it's true for me. That's the thing where I've got to go. Okay. I love this person. It's totally fine. I can give them these things in advance. The Holy spirit will still move. It'll be great. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's been the learning curve for me. Oh, I can so appreciate that. Yes. It's like God can still move in this. Yes. Chris McClarney and I were talking. Chris McClarney, he went to this church and they said, hey, he showed up and said, so what are we playing? <laughs> and they said, well, your stuff. He goes, no, no, no. I hate my stuff. What else do we want to do? Let's just do whatever. Oh, so <laughs> good. Like, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, you know, you show up and I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. It drives people crazy sometimes. Nothing is too hard for you, not for you, no. Mountains move and the dead still rise. podcast is just throw a few random questions at my guests as if I haven't already done that um but the idea is that these are hopefully tiny little bit lighter um and it might be like that if someone was listening to your music on Spotify or they sort of have been following your career they might be like oh my gosh I just really want to know these things about you so number one knowing that you used to be in a metal band years and years ago what is your favorite metal album of all time I don't, man, I, that question, I literally don't think I have an answer for it. But I, used to, I mean, like, because the stuff I used to listen to, I probably I wouldn't listen to now. But, uh, you know, there was a, there was a band called uh, Snapcase. It was like a hardcore, hardcore band that I used to listen to back in the day. And I really love those guys. But I don't know if I'd listen to them now. So if you go listen to them, you know, here's the good news. It's probably so vocally impossible to understand what they're saying that you'll be fine <laughs> really? what what's your favorite album now if you were to listen to anything oh gosh, why would you ask me that i know it's um, so hard you can give me a top three gosh um i don't even know that i can do a top three it's like what's your favorite food you know it's like I yeah, don't, it's fair. Uh, um i don't know i mean and plus i gotta be careful because i know so many people yeah. In the industry. Ah, uh, I don't want to be like, How about I thought I was your favorite band. <laughs> <laughs> so 
uh, I have a friend of mine that uh, I'll just be telling. You, okay, I have a friend of mine. His name is Jay Thomas. He is. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a part of. Well, is a part of IHOP International Hops and Prayers. Oh yes, yeah, nice. Yeah, and he does this song. that's called "How We Love Your Name." And uh, it is probably one of my favorite worship songs of all time. It's a little bit more gospel R&B kind of stuff, but oh my gosh. Something about that guy's voice, uh, he, he just does it for me. We actually wrote the song Belong to You together, which is um, one that's been around for a while. And it's going to be on the EP too, but um, yeah, love it. I love him. He's got, a re- he's got a little EP too called Intimacy that I won't lie, I listen to it all the time. Nice. I mean, it's, it's just like him with piano and just kind of flowing. And oh. It's fun. So I'll have to look at that. Nice. I'm uh, sorry to everyone else out there. I love you. It's like, I still oh, love you. It's it. the first one that came to I'm my just mind. I'm just going to keep it real. There you go. I did it. Um, what is the coolest thing that you've ever seen happen when you were touring, as in like going around to churches and house churches? If there was like one uh, memory that came to mind that you're like, this was so out of this world. Uh, well, I mean, you know, one time we were uh, in Nevada and now we've had like events where we've seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ. And it's just like, you're like literally, there's a guy, Joel, who's in our band, Joel Gers, and he's written a lot of stuff with me. And he's just like, loves the Lord. He's just great, you know. And I look constantly on stages. Sometimes him and I just look at each other like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening." <laughs> kind of like, even though we've seen it a bunch, we still look at each other like, "Oh my god!" And uh, you know, we've had those moments. But there was this one time we were in uh, Nevada somewhere, and we were playing this thing. And I was playing um, this song and kind of talking and getting into my testimony. And um, a bunch of people got saved that day, but there was this one. Um, a bunch of people, several things happened in this moment. It was just like so full of the Holy Spirit. Like a bunch of people got healed. We had a bunch Whoa. of people that were battling eyesight issues where they all got healed. We had people that were battling with cancer, like lumps and stuff that literally disappeared. Like that kind of stuff. I'm just going to be honest. Oh God's my real. gosh. Okay? So that's going on. And then there's this one guy who's been a meth addict for years. He's in these like apartment buildings. He's not a Christian. He hears this song playing that we're playing, like the melody of this song. And he's like, what is that? And he walks down the street to the middle of this park where this thing is going on. And then he walks up right as I'm telling my testimony, no. calling people to Christ. And he gets saved right there on the spot. And it was like a bunch of those kind of things are going on. And it was just like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I'm, literally, I'm, I'm not just saying that. I literally feel the Holy spirit all over me right now. I'm just talking about it. Oh, because man. so when I say like, you know, we have an app and stuff. I'm not trying to be infomercial. Go right for it, we please. We have an app. It's called God is Real. God is Real app, and you can find it on, like, Apple Music. You put in God is Real. Um, you can go to smworship.com, and you'll find it there as well. But God is Real. And the reason that we say that on everything we do almost is because of what I just told you. It's like we – when we say, like, you know, we're taking off our grave clothes. We're putting on resurrection. We're taking off our grave clothes. You know, we're putting on – it's like, you know, you can be – Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. You can be resurrected. And still not walk into the fullness of life. Yes. The fullness of life that God has for the bride is to know that he is real. Like to really know him. In John 17, 3, Jesus says, eternal life is this, to know you, the one true God. To know him and what he's like. To know someone is to like really know them. Like I know my wife. And I know God is a miraculous healing God. That he actually does all this stuff. It's amazing and sometimes it doesn't happen 
it doesn't change who he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the problem is we have a bride that's still walking around resurrected but carrying gray clothes. And they're carrying dead old things. And some of those dead old things are stuff like this. God can't really heal people. Um, sometimes people, you know, get cancer and they just die. That's just the way it is. And that's true. Sometimes that does happen. That doesn't mean God can't still heal. And we just walk around in this like we rip out half the Bible because we just don't know if he'll show up or not. And I just want people to awaken to the reality. Even this, entertain the possibility for a minute. (laughs) Just entertain the thought and the idea that God is real and everything you've ever read and hoped for is real. That's so good. Thank you. Sorry. I was, I was like getting nearly like the Pentecostal part of me was like, yes, yes, preach. <laughs> <I'm just, sorry, laughs> good, Pastor. That's that was, good. that was, uh, no, and I, I needed that in my, my heart as well at the moment. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for your faith. Cause I know that you see it. So it's fact, but I just, for me, I'm like, yes, it is true. I do know that. And so it reminds me to keep yeah. holding it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no. Good. Um, my last official question for you. If you could go back in time and speak to Stephen the day after he had this miraculous encounter with God and gave his life to Jesus, what would you say to yourself knowing what you know now? Jessica, you're really good at this. You really are. You're so (laughs) talented. I like it. Okay. Um, What would I say? Oh, my gosh. Um, The best is yet to come. Oh, so good. Hold hold fast. Uh, The best is yet to come. And I think, you know, oh, or this. <laughs> I guess I would come back to myself with a three-point Still counts. what I would do. Yep. No, I'm just kidding. I would say this. Uh, God won't take you into your destiny until your character's ready. He loves yeah. you too much. So hang in there. You are working when I can't see I can't feel it. You are for me and not against me. I believe it. I believe nothing's falling apart. so cool right if i'd gone to his youth group when i was a teenager and he'd been my youth leader i would have been like this is the coolest thing ever i would have walked around with my neon wwjd band and been like yeah you should know jesus look at what he did in my youth leader's life it would have been so cool (laughs) that was just awesome thank you Stephen. thank you for your ep as well grave clothes has dropped and released to radio this week as well so all the best guys if you love what you heard today please do go and stream Grave Clothes, the song and the EP and consider buying it. It's a great album. It really stands out to me. His vocals are quite unique in Christian music and we need that. It's it's great. He's right up there with people like Crowder and Need to Breathe. So definitely go give it a shot.
If you like Stephen, please go and follow him on social media and tell him that you enjoyed hearing his story. You will find him on Instagram at Stephen McWhirter. That is, ready? I'm going to spell it for you. S-T-E-P-H-E-N-M-D-W-H-I-R-T-E-R. Forgive me for being so pedantic, but I legitimately looked up Stephen McWhirter with like a V instead of a PH. And apparently it's like some well-known like flutist from Ireland or something. So I just, I mean, go him, but we're not looking at that dude. So yeah, you're welcome. You can also find Stephen on Twitter and Facebook at Stephen McWhirter Music. We'll have all the links in our show notes below. And you can also check out his music there and his website. And there'll be links to his apps and podcasts and, you know, all those fun things because what doesn't this dude do? Thank you, as always, for tuning in today, guys. If you loved what you heard and you're back, so hi, so happy to have you, uh, please go subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, probably some random one I've never heard of, but we love you. Go and subscribe to us so you get the next episode and also go and give us a rating. It just means that these interviews and these amazing people we get to talk to are exposed to more people. It promotes their music more, but it also shares their story. And that's what we're all about, right? We're all about sharing stories because that's where real change happens. My name is Jessica Morris. And if you would like to get in touch with us, go for it. We are at betweenyouandmepod.com. You will find all our merch there, all our past episodes, some fun info on me. You can also contact us on social media. We are at on Instagram. We are at between you me pods we have snippets from our shows there playlists all sorts of things so it's a lot of fun go and check us out that is all for today thank you for tuning in thank you for being you and thank you for being willing to carry the heavy and the light i'm very grateful for you guys and i will see you in two weeks i love when we sit and talk even when you don't see nothing at all i know you had a hard day I see it on your face But still you're trying to smile and make me laugh I'm so happy that I spend my life trying to find Somebody just like you Someone to waste all of my time with Somebody just like you Somebody just like I would be wasting all of my time Thank you for listening to the Between You and Me podcast Stay connected by visiting www.betweenyouandmepod.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more Christian news, reviews, and interviews, get plugged in to JesusWire.com.